Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the TT Podcast, the greatest podcast in the world, unofficially, and the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT to discuss their lives, their journeys, and their ambitions with the greatest motorsporting event in the world. And it really is, isn't it, Lee Johnston? Without doubt. Name another one. The Manx Grand Prix. It's a close second, but other than that, nothing. Nothing even comes close. <sighs> Today's guest. I'm excited. I had, a, I had a sleepless night worrying about this one. Like I have done with a few, but this one is... I'm excited about this one. The first time I ever met Cat. So the guest is, if you didn't know, Cameron Donald. Of course you did, because it's in the title and it's in the thumbnails. Um, he said hello to me as if, as if we were mates. Obviously he'd watched a bit of the podcast or he knew me from something. So when he saw me, like... Double took and went, hiya mate, you alright? I was like, oh well, my god, he knows Your long, illustrious career does precede you. Absolutely, yeah. But, we're, we're in TT royalty. Uh... I, I'm in a little, I, yeah, a little bit of a fanboy moment. Let's get lie. it out of the way now. <sighs> what, so he doesn't realise? <laughs> I'm sure he's going to realise the moment he walks in and he goes... I've, I've got a lot of questions without, like, sitting and asking them, but like, boyhood questions, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm excited. Let's get him on. Cameron Donald, welcome to the TT Podcast. I've been waiting for this one. This is the first time I've done a bit of fanboying. <laughs> you said that in the group yeah. on the way. Oh, come on, there, stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? Yeah. I'm slightly nervous about this one. I don't even know where to start. But uh, tell me about your, your TT Podcast experience. Have you, have you listened to any? Yeah, I have. I've listened to a lot of them. Yeah, especially before the TT. When they first came out, I remember listening to them and we'd had such a break in racing. And I remember I'd listen to them work in construction, quite often leave home like five o'clock and have an hour, an hour and a half drive. So it's perfect listening, get into it. And I remember because my best mates Trevor work with, you know, he was listening to them too and would often say, how much does it get the adrenaline pumping, you know? Australia's a long way away and the thought of coming back over... You know, you getting back closer. to the TT. Yeah, it definitely did. And it was good just hearing everyone speak and you hear a lot of stuff that you haven't heard before. So no, generally it was really, really good. Good. That's not to throw you under the bus and just in case you'd not listened to any. But the point being, obviously we, we start the podcast with the same question to everyone that's raced or, or, or is currently racing. And it's all about the tap on the shoulder, about what it feels like, especially what, what we tend to find is like going through no man's land is kind of where the race starts for a lot of people mm. and the nerves kind of, dim down a little bit because the focus is on the race but for you what was it like rolling up to the start line getting that hand on that shoulder and then eventually getting that tap it's a surreal experience it really is um i've often said if you could bottle the emotions that you experience in that short period of time it's it's incredible um it really feels like the world stands still it's only moments but sometimes it feels like in in hindsight or retrospect it feels like a long period of time. You remember every detail, the people fussing around, mechanics packing up, looking at the strain in other people's faces that at the time you don't pick up on. But when you look back, just that look, when you look at a fellow competitor in the eye and you give each other that look like you know what you're about to do and look up at the, the flags waving on the back of the grandstand and I'd always look out for the Aussie flag and think, okay, this is it, it's game time, you know. But it's... um. Gets the gets the hair standing up now. Just you just thinking about even it. Say, that makes <laughs> yeah. me nervous. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm sat nervous. <laughs> I'd often get a flash yeah. of like, why aren't I still plumbing or concreting or what am I even doing here? You know, that was probably cold. before that moment. That moment when you walk up, it's like, you know. So what is when you are for... walking up? Are we are we nervous? Are we 
composed and ready? Or because from what I've researched and, and learned, all your racing career, especially, you've been an intense fella that has always gone to win. You've not just rocked up to turn up and and take on the course. You've gone. You've you've come to win. Which is, I think, you know, the majority of the field are. I mean. Everyone thinks like that, don't they? Yeah, but, <laughs> Not as intensely, though, I don't but think. I, I was definitely wound up like a spring. Yeah. yeah, but you have to remember, he hasn't drove 20 miles down the road. The man's, the man's yeah. come from the other side of the world. He hasn't come here to, oh, I'll have a mosey round yeah. today. You know, and any... I, I say this about Irish people that go to England to race. Like, it's harder for us to go and compete because you have to get on the ferry. It's a, it's a lot of hassle. That sounds pathetic, sat beside He come well. He he was nearly Irish for quite a while. He come and <laughs> come and lived there, and but the commitment to do that for for anyone or anybody that you rid for or raced with or anything, they couldn't deny that you've you give up a lot to to get there. So that's maybe was the basis mm. of a lot of the it. It could have been, well. but yeah, definitely. I know I was intense, probably too much for my own good at times. But because I think it's wasted energy. Yeah. But yeah, wound up like a spring, sharp as it, just focused. Yeah. You know, all the hours, you know, on the push bike, <clears throat> in the gym, in the pool, on the motocross, you know, it, it all comes to that. All the circuit knowledge rehearsal, the laps, everything, you're there. Okay, this is it. This is the time. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling, really. Terrifying, you know, inside. But at the time, you just, you know, you're so sharp, you're so focused, and you're just so ready to just head down that road and it's, get the job um, going. It's a strange thing to think that there's not many people that would ever experience that in their lifetimes, like literally ever, and you you get to feel that on a on a daily basis for two weeks, and that's kind of when you're really, in my eyes, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but that's when you really live in, right? You're actually living. Absolutely, and it's something that I, you know, the emotion, the feeling, I still feel now when I'm up there doing the, the commentary job. It's still it's overwhelming almost at times and I thought it was something that only a TT racer could feel and I remember being up in the grandstand when I was injured and I think it was pity Andrew Pitt was over and and Glenn Richards too come over for a look both Aussie competitors racing world and British championship and they were like whoa this is heavy and I'm like you guys can feel this and they were like yeah and then lucky enough when Mark Webber came over chatting to him he said the feeling on that grid was like nothing else that was incredible and there's an at the time, a current F1 driver saying that, you yeah. know, and you're like... It's an understanding, though, I think. You know, like, if, if, if you've got an understanding of any... Whether it be cycling, you know, yep. anything. If you have an understanding of, oh, there's a lot relying on this, and then that's maybe something where there is no risk involved. Like, Formula 1's pretty safe. Yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? It's still yeah. things still happen. But they have an understanding how they feel in yep. a sport that's pretty safe. You bring them to somewhere like this, and they go... This is this is like different. It's nearly the more knowledge you have, the more you you will feel that. I Absolutely. think you, know, you can bring yep. someone like you, I bring my missus or whatever. She obviously understands, mm-hmm. but she's never been in that pressure environment for themselves to understand and maybe something that's not as dangerous. And then all of a sudden you heap what the actual risks are involved, and these people that are very good at their job all of a sudden go. Phew. Maybe not for me. Then. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and on the other side of the coin, I've had friends here this year at the TT that had never been, and like even a mate's missus that had never, never done motorsport, but got them up on the edge of the grid, and even they were saying afterwards, like, that's heavy. Like, wow, the the feeling, you know, what they're feeling, nerves as well, the excitement. You know, yeah, it's, it's a really special place, that. It's yeah. quite incredible, that small area and the amount of motion in the air and 
what's going on at that time. Yeah, I suppose you don't feel the the range of emotions in many other places where there is all that excitement about for what's about to happen, but also with that mind on the fact that you know this is dangerous. This is. I remember the first time I was up there, twenty eighteen, I think, and I, I, I like I was shaking. I was like, why are these? Boys, what what is going on? This needs to stop right now. This is just. I think it's if you've got crazy. any any observance in your, you know, you can see if you, if you get home, you can tell when your missus is in a bad mood. Do you know what I mean? You can tell when <laughs> someone's stressed out. If you look at mechanics or team owners or sponsors or anything, and everyone is in that similar yep. sort of situation. If they've got any care or it's either care to win or care to worry or you know these mm-hmm. things, it looks like a similar shitting themselves yeah, as an expression yeah. do you know what I mean and sometimes I don't know about you but I'd go I would feel okay you're obviously nervous but I don't I'm not I don't suffer like some people are like nigh on sick and I would feel okay until I get there and then I look at a lot of people and go holy shit they're all like proper cacking themselves yeah. they're not even getting on the bike and I'm like, then I think should I be more nervous than what <laughs> I am or what you know that 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 pen of, of nervousness up there is but I suppose you've got the the sweet release of letting your clutch go and yeah. you being in control and yeah. you knowing what's exactly happening all the time, whereas they sit there and go. That 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 was <laughs> something I really wanted to ask Cam because you're the first person like I've only done a few, but the first person on here that I see as seen as being a proper doer, if that's mm-hmm. the right word. So I want I wanted to know what it's like now. You know, you've stopped. How how does that feel and and you know, do you, is what happens? <laughs> I think this is a personal question yeah. I want to know for my own self. Is it, isn't it okay? interesting you say that, yeah. okay? Because straight away I thought of you because yeah. it's a range of emotions. I'm happy now with a family and I've got, when I say a family, it's more my focus is so split with so many other commitments and a huge thing is living on the other side of the world. That makes it easier to stop racing as far as, it's not. It's a long way away. It's so hard racing from Australia. I mean, it's hard for yeah. anyone to put a deal together to put the bikes together. But it is a little bit harder being a bit further away. So it was so hard each year to put the package together to go racing. It kind of makes it almost easier to stop. But yeah, when you come back, it is hard. You go through a range of emotions. When when you're because you're obviously a, a job here now, but you're first year back or and not racing, but being here. That was, yeah, it's like a blur. It was, it was good though. The media job helped me because I was new to it. So I was out of my depth. I probably still am, <laughs> but I was nervous and I could sort of put all that energy into something else. Yeah. And I've said to a few people, I probably wouldn't have come back for a couple of years. Yeah. I probably would have distanced myself. Then I would have come back and sat in the hedge and, and had a beer and, and probably enjoyed it. But for the first year or two after, whether I would have come back and been involved, I think if it wasn't media, I would have wanted to be involved with mentoring or another rider. Um, which I have worked with other riders, but I, I would love to do that or be more involved with the running of a team or being part of it. And um, I remember speaking to Philip Neal about it at the time and, you know, options there or, or looking at maybe doing something like that. Also very aware you have to be very careful as an ex-rider quite soon how you went about that. <laughs> but I've got to jump back to this story. Okay, post-COVID, we come back and we hadn't seen everyone for years mm-hmm. and we came back and... So many people kept saying, you're looking well, you're looking fit, you're looking fit. And I had trained a lot leading up to that, just in life, yeah. fitter than I am now. And I just, I felt really good in myself and I've been riding a lot off-road and was this, that. And I started was, thinking, was you know, everyone's had two years off. Like, yeah. and I'm looking at a few other riders that hadn't got, <laughs> had let themselves go a bit. And I'm like, 
you know what? You know, I just started, I did, I got this wave on the first day, this big wave, I started putting the plans in place. I've got another super sport bike, did a few track days, did a bit of clubbing, and I've gone through the whole thing, and this is as true as we sit here, that night, I'm back to my room, flicking through social media, and there's a slow speed picture of you coming out of, up out of Balacruz, yep, (laughs) and it's like your front wheel off the ground, touch, like, and I was like, Goosebumps now thinking about it. And you know what I did? I looked at the results that day and you were like, P8 or something. You weren't even. And I went, catch yourself on. (laughs) That was the moment that I thought like, I just forgot how hard you pushed around here. That was the defining moment. I looked at and I just went, wake up to yourself, Camo. Like seriously, because (laughs) up until then you start thinking your romance of how good it is and how easy it is. And that just brought back to home. Riding around here is like a bar fight. It is brutal. Yeah. And... It wasn't like you were P1 plus two seconds or yeah, 10 yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? You were just yeah, in the mix. You might have ridden that sector faster than anyone that lap. I don't know. But yeah, all right. I knew was, wow, I'm going to be riding that hard to, and I'm not in the top. You know what I yeah. mean? It was just, Anyway, that's a long story short. I'm like, yeah, bam. It's, it's strange that you could still come here, though, and you could probably, you know... Top 10, top you're 15. Trying to fr- you're trying to fry his head again. He's just got over <laughs> no, that. No, it's a bit too late now. It's, <laughs> it's just... 2022. It's, it's gone now. 20, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to, to actually retire from, from racing the TT, you have to start racing the TT. And to start racing the TT, you have to have a, a bit of a legacy behind you of actually racing. So where, if we go all the way back, where did we start racing? Flat track for Yep. Yep. For flat track. That's normally yeah, the case. Dirt track. In, and I didn't start until I was 15. I started late. Yeah. Road bikes from when I was, you know, four or five. But lucky... I always say I'm so lucky I started late, I think, because my brothers both started motocross real young, both went to A-grade juniors, and by the time they were 15, 17, they were burnt out. They discovered girls and parties, and, I mean, we all did, but I guess they'd, you know, live that life racing nearly every weekend, and they loved it. We all loved it. That's really common, and, like, even a lot of English school boys and stuff, and you only have to go to the track and see the way, I'm not saying this is what your parents were like, but see the way some of the parents, you, you can think, why would the kid want to do yeah, that? The yeah. parents is hurling abuse yeah. at him. Like, you start writing because it's fun. Do you know yep. what I mean? You see a seven-year-old and they're out there throwing stones. Like, just <laughs> You can't even fathom what. And like, uh, Dad's saying, yeah, your bike's faster than theirs yeah. and blah. It's just, so I was lucky. My dad was like, it cost us a fortune. I'm never going down that racing path. Right at the time, because my next brother up is almost 10 years older than me. So I'm like... Mm-hmm begging to race and he was like you can race when you start working i dropped out of school at 15 and started working and to, to go and race yeah oh pretty much because i hated school, school but no yeah. but it, it was honestly it was both yeah and then you know bought a 125 motocross bike second hand and dad was like just straight up you know if you knuckle down and you work i'll match you dollar for dollar we'll go racing that's fair but he's like the minute you start carrying on you know if i catch you out getting drunk smoking dope carrying on like your brothers probably <laughs> yeah. you know it's 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 off so i was just like and i grew up my hometown it's it's a lovely spot but it was pretty tough when i grew up a lot of rednecks a lot of (laughs) my mates were pretty wild and if you weren't drinking and getting up to mischief you pretty much weren't welcome in the group and and racing to me gave me that release like i go to a party and people be like we're getting up to this we're getting up to that and i'd just be like no i'm riding tomorrow i'm racing and even all my rough head mates were just like Camo's right. It gave me it credit. Them, it yeah. takes them a while to, like, that. my friends are quite, not saying they're rednecks, but they're quite similar. 
and once they got the gist that you were half decent, or then that was like something cool for them to talk about. Yep. Go on, Cam doesn't drink; he's racing, and it's yep. like this weird. You're like yeah. an outcast, but not. If yeah, in the group. exactly. That sense, and yeah. I was so focused; I don't care if they didn't. If you know they started treating me different, I would have just bailed anyway. But the fact that I did have support from my mates helped, you know. And yeah. like sometimes I felt like an outsider. Cause all my mates play footy, like Aussie rules. Like everyone plays footy, probably a bit like soccer over here um and if you're not into that and you're not in the footy club and you're not locally you're sort of just not part of it but yeah. racing you know, i always wish there was a track closer to home so people could see what i was doing but yeah that that's sort of anyway i started late so that i think that gave me a focus and it gave me an appreciation for the opportunity i had so i didn't waste it did you have that same intensity as a as a, as a kid then or was it was it not until you started to be competitive on a bike that that edge started to come. No, I think it was intent. Two older brothers too made me yeah. very competitive. Like I remember, you know, the XR100 down the paddock doing time trials and just trying to beat them. You know, they yeah. were my idols. And even much earlier than that, I just, and growing up watching them was a great, you wanted to be as good as your brothers and you wanted to beat them. Especially if he was 15 and you were five. Like yeah. that was, he was like oh, yeah. God. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, from my little boy, Jesse's five now and anyone that's like 10, 12 year old, they're the coolest. Yep. You know what I mean? Doesn't mm -hmm. care about that that's, or anyone. They're the that is like the cool person yeah. in their in their brain. So to have that as a brother, that is racing would have been like it, it did help me. And even my yeah. older brother sat down when I started racing. I remember sitting him down saying, Mate, knuckle in here. I wish I had, you know, like I remember him saying, getting drunk, going out, whatever, you know, it's gonna feel the same at forty or Yeah, yeah I think yeah, at the yeah. time he was saying thirty, but you can't start racing if you're thinking about world championships when you're thirty, you know. Yeah. Do it now. And I had some good, you know, a few little things said to me that sunk in at the time. But no, always intense. Yeah. Still probably intense at times. It's, Ask Kaz about that. <laughs> it's strange that you say you got into racing late at fifteen. Nowadays we we, we consider that late. Yeah. It's not real, and, and is it, it? Bugs the heck out of me, and that's why I reckon all my personal opinion is age should be even raised. They've started yeah. to do that. But, you know, and I see it at home all the time with these kids on Moto3 bikes and, like, you just think, just put them on dirt track, you know. Like, there's yeah. only 10, 15 bikes out there in Moto3. Mm -hmm. They should be heading into Turn 1, 15 abreast, learning that cutting-edge racing. It doesn't even matter that it's not on the bitumen. They'll adapt to that. Yeah. But you need to learn that that argy-bargy yeah. that at home we don't have the numbers in road in circuit racing to do that. So I just think, you know... And the same with, you know, you can't do a track day unless you've got someone there with a laptop to run the bike. You know, it should be just tip gas in the tank, go Off out go. and ride around till you're exhausted. I think that's the key for young and not get too serious too soon, but it's the way of the world. You can now. sort of see that in Spain now because that's all, like, fair enough, they are all in Moto3 teams. There's obviously money getting put in from the government and everything, but all them same kids are racing around a car park, racing around flat yeah. track, racing motocross. Yeah. Doing, obviously, the weather is a lot better than England, but they don't care what they're on as long as they're it's on a bike. Yeah, 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 that yeah. seems to be the thing. And you just, you have, a, you see them, you think they're, you see them on the track, on the bike and their leathers and helmet and you think, oh, they're, they're average. And then you see an interview after and you, it's a child. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 13, you are, you are a child, you know what yep. I mean? And they're, they're pumping all this information into them and everything. You, and you, you can't expect them to, and they say, oh, he's not good enough. In two years time, you might suddenly click. Well, and it might be, you know what I mean? There's a lot of factors in, like if if you seen Cam at fourteen, he like compared to a fourteen year old now, you'd have said, oh, he's he's not going to make it because he hadn't yeah. the stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all relevant. There's so many factors. Yeah, the cream and, should always rise to the top, right? Yeah, but it's not like football. You can't go and kick it again the wall. Nowadays, yeah. like he said, if you don't have the laptop, yeah, you, you the don't money. have the bike, the tires. 
it's it is pointless. Do you know what I mean? You mm. need the the kit to to make it. Unfortunately, and, and we've definitely gone past the point of if you're good enough, you will make it. That doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and and I feel for the riders that don't start till they're later. Like I always look at yeah. Troy Bayless. You know, a lot of people don't realise first race twenty three. Yeah, his first ever race at twenty three. What a beautiful story. Will we ever see that happen again? Highly unlikely. Yeah. It's the way of the world. But I feel for, you know, I coached a lot of guys and you see some guys at 20 and you say, mate, you should start racing. You know, mm-hmm. You've got a huge amount of natural ability. And most of them, it's the boat's already sailed to a point. Yeah. Yeah. To a point, how do you change it? I don't, but I just think too, especially in the Moto3, the whole thing, we should, like, I don't think we should be racing on bitumen thinking about it before 15 or 16 that's just my yeah but you know that's that's the way of the world as i said it's all um but that's what i love about the tt too it requires a little bit more maturity um you know i had a good chat to you know, young joey yesterday joe yearsley yardsley yes, pronounce yes, it correctly yes, um yearsley and is it yearsley i've got an interview him later. Y- yearsley yeah, yeah, yeah. yearsley yes, sorry I listened to a couple of different interviews and everyone was doing yeah. it differently. I had to ask so him. So he's better in Australia. Yeah. Don't <laughs> what a great lad. And so young, but then when we're chatting, he's actually 26. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's probably lost a couple of years with COVID, but yeah. um, still very, that's young at the TT. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Young, it's young, but it's a, also a good age because it's an age where you start to know what it's all about. There and I think you need to know there. that for here. Yeah. So, so in terms of going onto the roads and starting your road racing career, the plan was always to go world championship or at least you yep. wanted to go world championship. Absolutely. That was my, always wanted super sport, world super sport, world super bike. I, even at that time, I'd already, already realized that I probably didn't have the the tools to go to MotoGP as mm-hmm. far as the backing already people, you know, you had to be racing in Europe or you had to take a lot of money. Um, and then got the opportunity to do Macau and that was my first opportunity to do a street race. And that how, was... How much... T- how much- like Aussie Championship, had you done before going to Mackay? Ah, uh, quite. I done. I started off one two five GP. Yeah. I did several rounds, but then I did two years of two fifty production back in RGB yeah. days, and that was absolute cutthroat. Yeah. I mean, the second <laughs> oh, year, yeah. um, when we were challenging for the championship, it was West Ant West that won. So yeah. it was a good year. Even then, they you know, he used to fly around and they tested every track before you went there. Like in Australia, sometimes that's yeah. three thousand. <laughs> he still aren't we still racing? Now, yeah, isn't I know. Yeah, yeah. Still, so they're still what you said about Cam. Still, still, <laughs> still doing a bit here and there. And, and could you go to Macau on a six hundred still there? Yeah, yeah and so six hundred was quite big. Yeah. So I'd, and then I was racing six hundred Super Sport in Australia. I, I think I'd raced in New Zealand was mainly overseas yeah. race. But yeah, we were challenging. We're in the top five Aussie titles, so we're going good. Um, and then yeah, got the opportunity to Macau. So yeah, jaw dropped. Had, so yeah. how did the, how did the opportunity of Macau come about? And was road as in road racing, road racing? Was that on your radar at all then? Or was it not until Macau? Not even remotely on my radar. It was not on my radar. Really? Full stop. End of story. No street racing in Australia. Love the TT. Always watched the videos. Dad was an older guy for my age. He rode and raced, bit of club racing, you know, on British bikes. Mm-hmm. Pop, my uncle, they all had Pommy bikes. They all talked about the TT, all knew about it, but I never even thought about it. And also, it's 2003 when I first, uh, 2001 when I first went to Macau, 03. I went, whenever it was, it was pre-YouTube. Like, 
I, I hadn't seen no any footage of the track like. at all. No footage. So what was explained to you? Did you think it was... Just a... that it was a closed public road. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds... <laughs> Basically, someone <laughs> rung Cam up and said, do you want a holiday? Do you want to ride your bike? <laughs> yep. like... <laughs> that, was, that was all the Yeah, you're young. Any op- you know, when you're <laughs> an aspiring <laughs> racer, to yeah. do a race overseas yeah. was just like, wow. You're making it. Turn up yeah. at this R6 and just go, wow, this is... And then, you know, in the paddock with at the time, like DJ and... Because you can't even walk. People don't realise it. You can't even walk the track. No. Because it's like mayhem. The start and finish lines five yep. lane wide. Like a, it's and not there's a, no path. No. You so you yes. physically cannot. The first time you get round, unless someone, some crazy taxi driver brings yeah. you around for a lap, <laughs> and there's like traffic jams and there's no reference at all. So my first run right. Well, obviously I seen some onboards and stuff, which is different to cam. But like you're literally bombing down and the, the first two corners are absolutely yeah. flat out like it's the I, place is meant to. i was like i went over a week and a half before the race to test the bikes in mainland china there was a yeah. two-day test at zuhai so i was actually over in macau for the week before and i had a scooter yeah. so i actually did that's probably so it would have been a than... massive yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i got to do a lot of laps yeah and as i said but i just kept thinking but i was young and full of bravado and the thought of there being no runoff i was like oh well just it didn't it didn't phase me. It phases some riders, and it's not that I'm any more brave or. But I did ride on the street at home, and I liked the, the excitement of riding around the street. So yeah. it was just. But I clicked and had a win in Supersport. So and of course with all the TT teams there, you start speaking to mm-hmm. different riders and mechanics and people, and you just start. Yeah, you all. It's not like here in Macau. You all stay in the same hotel. Yeah. The same then. So you end up you end up talking to people you, yeah. you would never talk to, or like especially if there's a load of Irish lads there, and he's. Straight in the mix, do you know oh, what I mean? It's and like... I told this story a bunch of times. I remember being on the bus heading back, so everyone gets the bus there and back, and I'm sitting next to this, at, with all due respect, at the time, some older bloke, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, so who are you spannering for? And he's like, spannering, you cheeky. And it was rudder. And that was then. So he was all like, then. Yeah, but, but he was to me, you know, he was just a, he just had this really? demeanor about him. I just thought he's someone's mechanic, you know, yeah, he like. Was, he was yeah. probably 45 then. But I didn't, like, it's just. Anyway, it was such an eye opener, and that's. But I also, and I always think of DJ at the time because he was the man here then, and mm-hmm. and Archibald and those boys, and just thinking. So then you go home and you start getting a couple of TD, TT VHSs, and all of a sudden, well, I just go on a DVD, but it's like they make sense. I met yeah. that guy. I wrote. Yeah. I saw what that guy did, and then you start because you're a racer, you're like, oh, my super sport time compared to oh the TT. That's when it started. The oh, is thought, it? Yeah. The thought of it did. You can you can literally see the process. Oh, I've went there. I was quicker than him, and I, <laughs> if I if I can do that there, yep. that's literally that's, as your yeah. brain. I'm going, I can just go win a TT. Yeah, you know? Why pretty much. That, that's how it, it sounds. arrogant saying it out loud, but at like twenty three or four, whatever yep. he was, that's well, exactly what I was and where I was. It, one plus two equals nine, and yeah. that's what we're doing. <laughs> but if you are there or thereabouts in the mix, and you're potentially yeah. beating a few of these riders, then there's no reason. Why you couldn't think like that though? No, and BTS and Billy that. Barron, Northern Irish guy, had mm-hmm. a he bought the X. Oh, I can't remember. I think he bought Flanagan Suzuki's uh, at the time, um, and he BTS Transport. He had a privateer team, you know, with really good bikes from the roads in Northern Ireland. You know, the backgrounds just live and breathe racing. And uh, he asked me to come over at Macau. I'd done Macau a couple of years and I was always running at the front in Supersport. Had some good battles with Plato, with Callum Ramsey, different. Yeah. And, uh, and he, like, Plato was a British Supersport rider then, you know yeah. what I mean? It was, yeah. it was Team it was, Honda, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, a level. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just road racers, maybe now people see that as, like, yeah. but he was he was the best Supersport rider in England. It for, was Team Honda and had yeah. luck. Like yeah. you are now. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm a podcaster and I don't, never <laughs> yeah. But no, not, I had a win over Plato. Finished, he finished second to us. That was great. Like that, again, that was another thing where I'm doing the maths yeah. and I'm like, but I was speaking to, I remember Jack Valentine at the time about trying to get over on the Triumph. He was very helpful. Yeah. He spoke he to me about it. B&M team boss yeah. yeah, and he actually spoke to me about it. And he said, let's try to get you in British Supersport. He was brilliant. Yeah. But even at the time, it was like, look, you're going to have to, bring ties, you're going to have to find somewhere to live, do this. The dollar was like almost three to one at the time. And I'm like... That's a lot of money. You know, I just, I couldn't do it. How, so how are you funding that then? What, what? Well, I was racing for Chinese teams. In right. I started doing Asian Pacific Championships, super sport, really competitive series. Paid rides. Yeah, yeah. Only a little bit, but still, yes, paid ride after being a privateer. Yeah. And then um, Billy said, come over and do a couple of rounds of British Superbike. So I came over and did Mondello and Thruxton. TT happened to be on at that time. I didn't even know it was on that date. And Billy's yeah. like, we're all chartering a plane from Newtonards, come over, fly, land in the field, and we'll go and watch the senior. And I, I remember what ringing What was that Dad. like? Oh, man. Oh, the plane trip was terrifying. But the, um, <laughs> thought we were going to die. <laughs> I really did. No one told me we were landing when, when in a freaking says, paddock. When no says, one told me that. The plane's coming in, going through rain, and I'm yelling out, where are we landing? <laughs> oh, mates, up there. <laughs> when he says charter a plane, this is like some guy's nearly paddling in the front of this thing. I mean, it's, push not, pull. it's not a private jet. <laughs> no, nah, little push-pull Cessna with a few of the Northern Irish lads, and we... um. Landed, but anyway, that day we went down and we watched the first race from Balligary. Um, That's a place to watch. I know. I did. I was telling a bunch of Aussies that I just did a bus trip with this morning. That spot on the stone wall is where I sat, and the first bikes came through. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that year there was a 600 production race in the morning. Um, and anyway, Bruce was one of the first bikes to come what, what, through. So what year is this? 06, 07? Uh, that, that was, um, well, I came here in 05 as a newcomer, so that was 04. 04, right. And Bruce came through, it was one of the first bikes. And, you know, to think, and I remember turning to the guys, I said, I have to do this. I have to do, I said, Billy, I've got to do this. That I've got to bike. do this. It was just like the speed, watching the branches shake, like nothing like Macau. And the dust come up off the air and just, the, I was just like, yeah, I have to do this and got to the paddock and tracked down Paul Phillips at the time and just said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I've done. If anyone has got a seat, and that's what started the ball rolling. But it was that moment that I was like, I have to ride the Isle of Man. And wins, none of that. It was just like, I just want to do it once. Mum, Dad, I'll just do it once. What they all say. I just want the medallion. That's what they all Remember, say. Remember, Mum's like, oh, yeah, just once. And then, <laughs> of course... The rest is history. So be- before you came to the TT, you hadn't done the nationals and stuff in Ireland. Was the TT no, first? So you did the TT first, then yeah. yes. because when you came, this is I I remember this like I remember everyone talking about. He's like this Cam Donald's rocked up and he literally smoked everyone. Literally, you were going to new tracks, and you were in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a beautiful time. I was I intended to go. I was meant to race the Dutch and German Supersport Championship. I'd done a deal with the team. Was, and I was coming over to test uh, before the end of the season and do a smaller race in um, Holland somewhere. And it just so happened. So I'd done the TT as a newcomer. Loved it. Amazing experience. Uh, blew my mind. But I still wanted to go world championship. I was still trying that. Like all races, you get knocked back and you get messed around. And then um, I got the opportunity to come over actually and do the Ulster Grand Prix for a team in in Ireland, asked me to come over. Richard Britton had left the team. Yeah. There were some Hondas there. They were good bikes. Is that the DM? DMR, DMR yeah. yeah. Like, the, I have these posters on my wall. <laughs> yeah. and do you know what I mean? This was like, that was like the first factory looking yeah, Irish team. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It would look trick. Drop the bikes trailer. Nice. And yeah. 
he was from rally so i think he had a background yeah. with we well, knew motorsport and it was a good looking show and i come over with my mechanic and the idea was he basically said come out do you want to do the ulster i'm like yeah absolutely and he's like i'll give you a couple of thousand pounds i think or 1500 quid or something it was for me i had oh, to get man. myself to europe to so i could get out that covers yeah. my airfare my yeah. mechanics i said you want to bring someone with you keep your company so my mate my mechanic we come over and we did the ulster I think we won the newcomers and we got a podium in something else. So we did good, like, as a newcomer to the Ulster, took yeah. to it really well. Mm. Fortunate to get there on new bikes, but I'd never seen the place. Um, and there's a lot of, it's it's a technical track. There's a lot of, bl- out the back is blind and really yeah. fast. So it's Was like... It about four, four, am I right in thinking about four miles? No, or? a little bit yeah. longer. Maybe yeah. six or seven, yeah, yeah. something like that. Right. But that was another huge experience, blew my mind. Racing was strong at the time. The paddock yeah. was huge. Mm-hmm. Teams were there. But then, while I was here, the deal over there fell over. They wanted me to bring, like, pay for my tyres before I flew over and starting to change story on the phone. And I'm like, I'm not coming unless I had another Aussie, Kev Curtin, racing World Supersport for Yamaha Germany. I rang him, I said, are these guys? And he's like, mate, if they're already playing those games. That's mm. the German and the Dutch plane. championship. Yeah, yeah, so with all due respect to everyone involved, I was just like, no, nah, I'm out. You've, you've seen what I've done. I've already been over there to meet you. So... All of a sudden, I'm like, what am I going to do next year? And that's when the opportunity with Yul Duncan, Wilson Craig, Robinson Concrete came up. And my mm-hmm. career went from going that way to just that way. Were you happy with it going that way? You made your peace with realising that you I was, make it. I was, but I was a very motivated young rider with a lot to prove. And that's why probably when I got on the Irish roads, I always, when I look back, I get goosebumps because, man, did I do some crazy stuff. Oh, he was awesome. (laughs) That might, if someone says to me, what, think of Cam Donald or whatever, I don't know what age I was young, but like, that's what I see is him on that red and yellow and white, you the, the bike and everything, do you know what I mean? Bouncing off And he, he literally just turned up and, you imagine how pissed off all these Irish lads were, this young tan, good looking Aussie rocks up and smokes them all in the tracks they've been riding on all the, yeah, the, the, like, cause you had Richard, you had like five, like yeah. probably with Farquhar, Archibald, yeah. Richard, yep. Finnegan, yeah. like, and these Martin, were these lads. Yeah. Nowadays, it's a bit different. So guys from British Championship coming, they're sort of like the top TT guys. But then the guys that won in national, you obviously had Rutter and stuff that were doing British Championship. But these national Irish road racers were on the winning or on the podium, also at the TT. So they were they were doers on goodish good bikes, not factory bikes probably, but yeah, good bikes. So you weren't rocking up. Like, no disrespect to Irish road racing now, but it's not at the level what it was then. It was strong. There was a yeah. lot of sponsorship. The the events were going strong. Yeah. The clubs were strong. You know, there wasn't all these insurance issues and whatnot. But but I remember, I, I was young, and, like, I remember Tandrigay. Oh, you did well at Cookstown, but Tandrigay takes years to learn, blah, 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 blah. But I remember Phil McCallum saying, it's a mini TT. Yeah. Nile Tandrigay, you'll go good yeah. at it. So I was just like... Every time someone would say, this is your learning year, deep down, going, I'd just be like, yeah. You and I'll look back, I think, what were you thinking? It should have been. But, you know, I've, that's one of my proudest results to go to Tandragee and you know, win the grand final and took a couple of seconds off the lap record as a newcomer was just like, and I was just like. <laughs> Imagine yep. how demoralizing but, that was. <laughs> but I was taking a lot of chances and but we got away with them. And, up, yeah. But it was great. You know, we had great rivalry too, myself and Finnegan and those other guys. Like, we had a lot of fun and. Even, you know, he was a hometown hero at Scaries and to beat him down there meant so much to me. And he was the first person to come up and pat me on the back and say, come back to my place for beers. Like, the, it was like a family racing over there, crowd. I'd never experienced passion for racing like it, knowledge mm-hmm. for racing like it and support. It was just, you know, the roads, it was a beautiful thing. It still is. Do you think it's 
it was the chip on the shoulder of have knowing that you've traveled all the way across the world you've made much more of an effort like lee said earlier to get there to get on that start line so you had a little a little more to prove than those boys in some ways yes on the other side of the coin it was easier for me that i didn't have anyone ringing up saying do you want to come over sunday or mum saying come up for sunday lunch i was here on my own or with my partner at the time girlfriend from straight time and we're here to do one thing and it was race and i was just so and i think that was a huge benefit to me Mm -hmm. so i see other riders especially locally yeah i didn't have people coming up i had plenty of people coming up wanting to say hello in the paddock but, you know, I didn't have a neighbor or my boss or have to worry about work. I Getting mean, tickets and just I was just it. like here and I had. So in some ways, yes, it was hard. And that's yeah. why I see riders from Australia. I think they either come over here and excel or struggle. Some get homesick, some. But I just found that for me, it was the best way to focus. And that's yeah. why I always try to travel light when I raced and just keep it about the racing. So, yeah, yeah, like it's, it. it can work both ways. Was there any of those... Um, Irish circuits that you got on and you were like actually this is a little this is a little too sketchy um, because they are I mean people that yeah, haven't seen like, these people see. might have only seen the TT as a road race but some of these Irish roads are they're, they're smaller than what you'd class as a B road back yeah. in the UK right they're, well, they're farm tracks the first national I did was 14 and I was saying I drove down there in the race truck with my mechanic and we actually this is a true story I've said it many times we were lost pulled up and said to this farmer where's the racetrack and he goes you're on it lad and we're like now where's the the you know 14 right and he goes you're on it and we're like yeah like it was just like and I'll never forget after that we went to the mid-antrum and like Donnie, my mechanic, I'm back in the pits. I'm like, things handle like a shopping trolley with three wheels it's not doing this it's doing that and he's like where's it doing this where's it doing that and he's like, all right. And when practice finished, he's like, take me for a lap in the car. He hadn't done a lap yet. Mm-hmm. And we did a lap and he just sat there quietly. And we got in the end. He said, like, what are you supposed do you want to get a KX500? That's the only thing he's going to handle around it. Like, it was just like, <laughs> mate. Like, Yeah, you've got no hope. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah just especially right, if it's a crew from a track background. Yeah, he was. He'd never been a in the road. There's a little ripple in here and it's giving me a little bit of chatter. And they're like, oh, we can dial out. You know what I mean? You've got three massive jumps in, into a corner. You're like, well, what do you want me to do? Did it ever get to you? Did any of those? I, I've never done. I've none of them? None of them. Not one, no. Because you're not that stupid? Nope. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I, I left the same as Cam thinking. I didn't think maybe I was going to be in World Championship, but I would like I wanted to go and do BSB. And, yeah. And excel in that, and then just things. I actually went road racing accidentally. I got offered. I obviously, as a kid growing up, I'd been to watch all mm-hmm. that, and it was amazing. And my, my dad like was at me and at me. He's like, "This is not happening. You can race. You can go do British Championship. But you're not going road." Like he was really good friends with Richard Britton, who was from our town. And and I think the older I got, and a few people like. Um, Mickey Laverty, Eugene's and mm. Michael's dad said, oh, you know, Lee'd be good at road racing. He doesn't crash a lot and he's, you know, he's fast and stuff. And dad was like, don't ever say that to him <laughs> or anything out loud, do you know what I mean? Um, the, the team I'm with now, we went, they said, oh, in, I think it was tw- 2012, do you want to come and do the Northwest? Because they were running Gary Johnson. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever, this is mint. Like, it didn't cost me anything, which was the big thing, sort of yeah. thing. And I went and I just, my dad bless him there was somebody else at that time that was a newcomer as well a kid that raced in British Championship from home and he was obsessed with doing the North West. he was like can't wait to go and I was like I'm not really bothered you know what I mean it was yeah, pretty easy. went out in the first lap and my dad bless him he was praying that I was going to come in and go scared the life out of me whatever this other kid come in and went it's not for me dad and my dad was like oh come on I come in I was like 
this is amazing. <laughs> this is like the best thing ever. And no he was, way. And he was like, yeah, the other lad just didn't even go out there. And I bless him. And he was just like, well, just, you know, this will do sort of thing. And I hadn't even told him then that I'd like spoke to Paul Phillips who was going to go do TT. And I was like, it's already sorted. You know, we can't pull out now. I'd sort of like got all the things in motion and, and yeah, went and then went to do the Ulster and stuff that year as well. Same year, it was me and Dean Harrison. Like I really, I've, I've often thought of yourself with that. It wouldn't be easy, especially being from Northern Ireland. No. I mean, it was a hometown for me for a long time mm-hmm. and the people were like family and still got some of my dearest friends live there. It's, I remember, I mean, I was teammates with Michael Laverty yeah. in the, you know, for Taz and, you know, he copped a lot of flack. Like oh, you yeah. get people dig all the time. Oh, I don't have the balls to go road race. Oh, car mm-hmm. park races. And it used to kill me that because yeah. you're like i oh, know too i always still saw myself as a short circuit racer that was just doing some road racing i didn't see myself as a road racer yeah. then and i still had aspirations for british championship and other yeah but you things, people but, forget you were like i can you were in british championship in superstar and you were bang at the front you know what i mean you weren't it's like and that was really rare then so like all the other people we mentioned they couldn't do that archibald couldn't do that rich mm. britain couldn't do that farquhar couldn't do that finnegan couldn't do that so all the people he was beating there then he was going like you were the first sort of person bar um like we said david jeffries will have yep. been the last or rutter maybe but rutter wasn't doing other road races yeah. at the time mm. so you were the first person to be fit to do both again before maybe now me or uh pickman or you know because even now still there's not a lot of people that do like Michael and stuff doesn't want to do both. And yeah, it's, I find it. I mean, I just think there's nothing better if you're cutting edge in that yeah. championship just for your skills. Yeah. But as I said, that I felt for the local riders because they did cop a lot of flack. And I thought that's, that's so unjustified, you know, mm. and it's so, it's not fair. It, it is. It is I, I remember like when I won my British championship, no one at home really cared. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, I won the Northwest and I was like, household name oh unbelievable yeah. it was like he's won a and it was like a super twin race or something mm-hmm. my first race it wasn't like well, that's still a race and everything but i just remember and i remember saying that to my dad i was like the 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 appreciate it was just a completely different yeah. thing do you know what i mean to to do that so it is what it is yeah um but uh yeah i, I remember thinking that too you know if michael went to the northwest it's on so if he wanted to do it he'd kick ass he was yeah. a brilliant rider, but yeah. he didn't want to do it. Fair dues, each to their own. You've got to want it. And that's what we always talk about the yeah, TT. Yeah, how yeah. would this one go? How would that one go? Back in the day, how would Rossi go? Well, if he wanted it, he'd smoke him. Probably yeah. at the time with his ability, but yeah. you've got to want it. You've got to really want it. And all the money in the world might, won't make no. you want that. As much as we all, and some end up on the roads because it is easy to get sponsorship and it can send you in that direction at times. It doesn't matter. When you're out with that helmet on, you're not thinking about the prize money you're not thinking about paying mm-hmm. the bills monday you are just i think that, that's in that every type of well especially motorbike racing because in other sports you can almost if you're good enough at it maybe like footballers or whatever and you think oh, i'm not really enjoying it but i'm making a few quid it's easier than working and everything you can't do that in motorbike racing because no. the second you get hurt you go uh, and people, like, men come up to me all the time at Wayne's track days and they have a kid that's pretty good. They go, oh, Jimmy, he's amazing. He's out. And I go, has he had a big crash yet? No, not yet. I goes, come back. I says, see how keen Jimmy is when he's yeah. laid there. When he wakes up out of being a knocked out or whatever and the first thing he thinks is like, is the bike okay? How long will it be? And all yeah. the stupid questions you yeah. ask, that's, if that's not in you, it, it yeah. doesn't matter how good you are or whatever. The second that happens, pfft, 
all of a sudden, all the motivation is not worth. Cameron, we're going to take a pause in the conversation right there. Still loads to come from the legend that is Cameron Donald. And here is a little teaser of part two. And they never put pressure, but I mean, your teammates, Bruce Anstey, like at the time, <laughs> yeah. which is, that's a whole story in itself. The most irritating thing in the world <laughs> yeah. is mad sleeping and then smoking yeah. everyone. Yeah. Like, what, everything that logically works in your brain to oh, make man. you good is the opposite to Bruce. Bruce. You're like, what? Go to Spain tie testing, you know, and you're sitting on the plane going home and you're like, what do you think of that one? What do you think? And he's just like, no way. Oh, yeah. mate, I didn't really take much notice. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, what? Like, what? And he was like, and I used to think at the start it was a game. That podcast is available on this audio feed as of next week. However, if you want an exclusive first look at it, you can head over to ttplus.iomttracers.com and you'll be able to watch the next episode with Cameron Donald right now. Can you believe that, Lee? Is that what you're doing right now, Lee? Yeah, I'm just subscribing. Yeah, you can't see him, but he's got his phone out already. Barely even finished the episode. Keen. Bye. (laughs) 